started going for all these seminars, this kind of like get rich quick, build your own online business, and then slowly it became like, oh wow, everyone seems to be like so motivated here. Everyone seems to want to improve themselves, and I just felt for someone who was in you know such a space where I didn't feel any confidence, I I thought that hey maybe this this industry and the workshops can help me find my self esteem and confidence. You know maybe it will finally make me feel like you know I'm a good enough person. So I spend the next. Eight years, maybe. Um, reading books, attending seminars. You know, some of the money that I had from the from doing NS, I saved it up. I went for all these courses. I was so convinced that my salvation would be in the self help gurus like Anthony Robbins that I followed them around. You know, to went to Australia to do their programs. I went to Bali for a workshop. Uh, I was just spending a lot of this money trying to, uh, trying to find the answer in someone else. Welcome to Screwed Up Moments, the podcast where it's okay to fail and it's okay to try again. I'm your host, Danny. How much control and free will do we have in our lives over the clothes we wear, the food we eat, the things we do, or the thoughts we think? It is a debate that has raged on for centuries amongst philosophers and politicians alike. The one side arguing for complete agency: you are your own person, you have freedom over your decisions, you are responsible for your actions and your choices. While the other side for non-agency, i.e., everything is determined by something. You didn't choose to eat this or wear that, but you were already molded by your environment or your genes to do so. Though I personally fall on the side of free will, the evidence against this seems pretty compelling. For one, brain scans have revealed complicated neural networks that were shaped by both genetics and the environment, which impacts the majority of our cognitive behaviors, thoughts, hopes, dreams, and the like. For another, American physiologist Benjamin Lee Bay showed in 1980 that electrical activity in the brain actually builds up before the person even makes a conscious decision. That's right, not before the action, but before the thought leading to the action. Imagine that. Then again, this line of thinking presents its own set of complications. Particularly in the realm of morality and ethics, in 2002, psychologists Kathleen Vos and Jonathan Schuller conducted a set of experiments toying with the belief in the illusion of free will and the kind of behavior it leads to. They discovered that quote people who are induced to believe less in free will are more likely to behave immorally. These findings were supported by another study done by social psychologist Roy Baumeister, who found that a weak belief in free will results in less volunteer activity and charitable behavior. While other studies by Baumeister have even shown that believing less in free will can be linked to stress, unhappiness, and a lower commitment to relationships. With all of that being said, however, what does this have to do with screwed up moments? Well, that's where our next guest, Vincent Ng, comes in. Who shares his personal account of what it's like to live your life according to internal scripts? Hello, my name is Vincent, and this is my screwed up moment. Uh, 
so my name is Vincent and currently I work as a community curator for this community called A Good Space. It's basically a group of change makers in Singapore who care about different social issues from things like mental health all the way to climate change, migrant workers, single parents. And the idea here is to really kind of create a space, uh, whether is it a physical space, an emotional space for people to, who want to do good to come together so that they can support each other alongside people who genuinely want them to succeed mm. and we can start seeing more collaboration because sometimes change making can be a very lonely journey yeah. and I think all of us just uh, you know together we can go far uh, as opposed to if we go alone maybe we can go fast you know, as the old African proverb says yeah mm. so what is your experience as a community curator how do you feel about the job working there I think one of the things that I've learned um, over the last two years now this was my first job uh, after university uh, is this idea of this continuous exploration of why does community matter Hmm. Um, and I think this relates to my screwed up moment too but perhaps this is something that I can share later on Hmm. Hmm. okay sure so there is this idea um, of the internal script that is Hmm. very integral to your screwed up moment Hmm. so to start off with could you explain what internal scripts are for me I would understand it as uh, maybe one way to see it is, you know, we see the world not as it is, uh, but as we are. One more time for emphasis, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. I think all of us throughout our life, we have had certain experiences uh, that led us to believe certain things about the world that may or may not be true. Hmm. And because it plays out so often, it almost becomes, it, it becomes true for us and therefore the name kind of like an in, internal script. So, for example, uh, later on, I will share in, in, in my own screwed up moment, uh, I came to believe the internal script that I have to do everything myself because uh, I can't trust anybody. Mm. Uh, or I also came to believe in scripts like I will only be successful when something happens. You know, when I uh, maybe you know start a business and you know, get into a good school. Uh, so these are the scripts that I feel subconsciously run my life. Uh, there are a lot of actions that I make unconsciously that are driven by these scripts. But I, if, if, if I don't stop to kind of examine what they are, I will always be creating similar results that perhaps do not serve me. Mm. Mm. And how did you first uh, come by this idea of the internal script? I first came across it uh, during my own screwed up moment where I was kind of thrust into a space where I was trying to make sense of what I was going through. Mm. And I started kind of journaling and kind of turning the mirror back at myself. And that was when I started to realize, oh, you know, I'm acting in this way because of certain beliefs that I formed. And the examination of these beliefs and trying to kind of um, understand them uh, has been a quest that I think I've been on ever since I I first had that screwed up moment. So my screwed up moment, which I shared in the presentation, happened when I was, I think this was 17 years old. I was actually on the quite quite close to suicide I was about to take the lift up to a 12th floor HDB flat near my home to jump down mm. uh, and this was kind of like a culmination of several events that happened in the year before that namely that I just couldn't get into the school that I had dreamed of you know I had studied very hard for my O-levels uh, I just you know didn't get the perfect score that was needed to get into this particular school mm. and I think a lot of my world just collapsed and that was when I couldn't understand why a lot of the things uh, that I used to love 
doing didn't excite me anymore like I used to love studying I used to love reading about chemistry I used to love going out with my friends but suddenly all of these didn't uh, excite me anymore and a lot of people kind of understand the opposite of depression as happiness but I would like to offer an opinion that perhaps the opposite of depression is vitality I think that was what I lost. I essentially lost the appetite to eat. Uh, I lost the motivation to go to school. I was kind of taking MC in the third day of orientation. <laughs> this went on for a while until the principal summoned me and in a very, well, I guess, interrogative manner, asked me what was I going to do with my life. And that time, the area of mental health support wasn't very um, strong yet. There wasn't a very strong understanding of what mental health kind of is and also um, there was a lot of stigma and there really wasn't an understanding of how to support people who were in kind of like a mental health uh, issue. Mm. Um, and my father, who was, um, after attending that principal talk with me, mm. decided to say that, oh, you know, um, you know, it's time for you to either get better or you can get out of the house. And that again was kind of like a trigger and very traumatic point for me that it formed several beliefs. It formed in me an internal script that basically I cannot rely on anybody. I have to trust myself. I'm the only person who can help myself. I cannot invest any of my emotions and any of my feelings in anybody because they will just abandon me. Mm. Uh, it was around this time also this internal script was verified too. Uh, a lot of my classmates didn't know how to react and therefore they, they distanced themselves from me. Uh, I think looking back now, I can understand. But at that time, that was when all the scripts um, started to form. Mm. Uh, I eventually saw a psychiatrist first who referred me to a counsellor, started taking certain medication. Um, but it just didn't really um, improve. In fact, it, it made my vitality kind of <laughs> drop even further. Mm. Every day I would wake up and then I wouldn't want to eat. I will get tired of sleeping, but you don't feel like doing anything. So you're kind of just in this space of like, Stasis. I think you just stuck there, and, and um, so that was when I started to kind of dive into these these um, anything that could help me, like Basically, that's where I came upon the practice of starting to uncover these uh, scripts and also to begin that long trek to the self help junkie <laughs> kind of space. So, what script would you say? was uh, predominant or affected you the most back then when you first, um, you know, had thoughts of like suicide and, and mm. got into that sort of spiral? Yeah, um, I think the, the predominant one was this idea that I will only be successful if I have something to show for it. Mm. If I have some kind of achievement, whether is it getting into a dream school or starting a business, I started to form these beliefs at a very young age from various books that I read, people whom I looked up to, and I just wasn't able to let go of that. Mm. And that led to me feeling like, oh, you know, if I don't achieve this, I don't get into this school, then essentially, who am I as a person? Um, so the same thing could have happened to someone else. And even though it's the same thing, they may have perceived it as, oh, okay, uh, sure, I, I didn't get into this school. That doesn't matter. You know, um, there are many other fish out in the sea. There are many other opportunities. This doesn't define me. Right. Uh, but for me, uh, because of how my script was set up, I took that as a defining moment and it caused a lot of suffering. Yeah. Mm. So then you would sort of say that um, your script was, in a sense, more set in than other people who are more flexible. Uh. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. So 
because you had this like set in script in mm. place, right? Mm. So what caused the sort of um, downward spiral was that you didn't achieve the sort of goals or high standards. Yeah. Could you explain a little bit more about that? I guess the the underlying thing is you. I will only be successful or I will only consider myself successful when I've achieved something mm. and the goalposts keep on moving. Mm. So at the time, what were you aiming for? So at the time when I was in school, it was to get into this dream school. Mm. Uh, and then when I didn't get in and I was in that whole space again, like that, that whole like depression space, which I was diagnosed with, mm. uh, I, I started thinking, hey, you know, maybe I need to start a business. Maybe I need to start a project. Maybe I need to make a lot of money so that I, 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 I can find some way to to give meaning to my life, but also to make myself feel like, you know, I am someone who is good enough. Hmm. So maybe the, the underlying script is like, there's this deep belief that I'm not good enough, that um, I, I just will never be good enough. Hmm. Yeah. I think in many ways, even now in my life, uh, this is maybe, what, 11 years now since that almost kind of like suicide attempt. I think I, I'm still struggling with this question, um, this existential question on then, you know, what, what gives my life meaning? I think we all struggle with it in some way. It affects some of us more than others. I think what's most important then maybe is to kind of create a space where you can um, explore that question in, in a safe way where your humanity is being kind of like respected mm. and not like, oh, you know, if I cannot find the answer to this, then I'm a failure, which was mm. the space that I was in. So, from that segment alone, we are able to get a better grasp of what Vincent means by internal scripts. They are narratives that we unconsciously tell ourselves about how to act and behave in a world. Narratives that in turn were molded by our environment and the people around us. The principal who interrogated Vincent, his friends who distanced themselves from him, or his own father who threatened to kick him out of the house all played a role in crafting the narrative that he could only depend on himself. If we go back further, we find that his screwed up moment and his depression was the result of narratives built up by his environment and all these symbols and motifs on how to be successful and lead a meaningful life. Get good grades, start a business, earn a ton of money, that sort of thing. And I guess for Vincent, he sort of bought into this whole narrative hook, line, and sinker, which put him in this position of being on this never-ending and incredibly exhaustive chase. And given these circumstances, you can imagine how something like not getting into your dream school might seem like the most soul-crushing failure. So soul-crushing, in fact, that it even put Vincent into this existential depressive spiral. However, where Vincent's story takes a turn is how he reacted to his scripts, particularly the one about only depending on himself. You see, he took this idea of self-dependence quite ironically and in quite an extreme fashion, where seemingly overnight, he turned himself into a self-help junkie. So you took this other route of the self-help junkie. Yes. <laughs> Could you describe how that, how that started? Uh, so it started with this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I actually came across it when I was 16. So after the O-levels, before mm. I knew my results and went into that whole spiral. And the lesson that I took away from that book, right? So 
again, same same book, right? Multiple people can take multiple uh, responses <laughs> from it. But somehow the, rest, the lesson that I learned from it was that in order to be successful, really successful in life, you need to start a business. <laughs> and that was the book that kind of started that whole script that till now I'm still trying to undo it. Right. Um, but that started me in the self-help industry because I started going for all these seminars, this kind of like get rich quick, build your own online business. And then slowly it became like, oh, wow, everyone seems to be like so motivated here. Everyone seems to want to improve themselves. And I just felt for someone who was in you know such a space where I didn't feel any confidence I I thought that hey maybe this this industry and the workshops can help me find my self-esteem and confidence you know maybe it will finally make me feel like you know I'm a good enough person so I spent the next eight years maybe um, reading books, attending seminars, you know, some of the money that I had from the from doing NS, I saved it up. I went for all these courses. Um, I was so convinced that my salvation would be in the self-help gurus like Anthony Robbins that I followed them around, you know, to went to Australia to do their programs. I went to Bali for a workshop. Uh, I was just spending a lot of this money trying to uh, trying to find the answer in someone else. So I was in that space for a while and I think what really hit me was when I had this last gentleman uh, that I was uh, working with, he was a coach that I engaged, kind of like three-month coaching program and um, towards the end, he basically said that, you know, I have to let you go. Mm. And I was like, hey, what, what, what do you mean? I'm not, I don't think I'm ready. You know, I have all these insecurities that you expose during the coaching uh, over the three months. But he said, you know, if I don't let you go, uh, you always be relying on me. And you have to take responsibility for your own life. You know, no one is coming to save you. You have to kind of take ownership. And uh, you can find support, but you have to take ownership of your own life and you have to move forward without me. So I think that really changed my relationship with the industry. It stirred something in me that after that I decided to leave once and for all I, I wasn't going to kind of pay for another workshop anymore yeah. um, and I think I started realising that maybe the work to be done was inside and not outside mm. the answer wasn't to be found in some workbook written by a self-help guru but the answer was to be found in doing the work because I, I think what I was running away from is um, I was trying to find certainty in a lot of these self-help gurus and their formulas or their processes so they have all these formulas these pro these processes these acronyms these frameworks right that simplify life like they tell you like oh if you want to be happy or you want to feel like uh, at a peak state you know as Anthony Robbins would say you just need to change these three things <laughs> uh, so it really simplifies life and it gets people thinking that oh you know there's a shortcut or there's a process to be happy uh, but as I started venturing into this whole journey of like uh, self-discovery, I realized that maybe life is more complex than that. And actually, no one really can have the answers, but we can always ask good questions. And it's in the questions that we start discovering for ourselves what our own answers are. Mm. And not, you know, me trying to take Anthony Robbins' answer and use it in my life. So not using someone else's answers and trying to force it down to say, just because someone has worked for him, it will work for me. So that was my 
I think it was a, re- a rebirth into a new life. Uh, before that, I would never imagine I'll be working in a community setting now. But that was in the last day of university when I had that revelation. I, I de- decided to break away from that industry. And you know, I started some of the practices that I'm doing now with the journaling, um, with kind of diving deeper into understanding what my scripts are, what my emotions are. Yeah, yeah It's a less certain space. I can't tell you I have the answer. But somehow the, the questions always um, bring me a lot of peace. Um, someone recently said to me in a workshop that I uh, attended, he said, uh, we are not agents of change, uh, but we are agents of awareness. Vincent's journey into the self-help world was ironic for a couple of reasons. Firstly, as he has mentioned and as his coach has pointed out, he wasn't really learning how to become more self-dependent, but instead becoming more reliant on these gurus and their so-called formulas or processes. The next bit of irony comes with regards to our little discussion on free will in the introduction of this episode. While some might look at Vincent's venture into the self-help industry as evidence of his freely conceived choices, you know, how he was in a slump, he made a choice to act, he beat his own circumstances, etc., etc., it's not hard to argue that his path was, in a way, predetermined. He had formed his scripts in his mind about success, and in doing so had set himself up for failure by placing them on such a high pedestal. When that crash eventually happened, he became a prime target for the self-help industry. And if you look at it from this point of view, there was really no free will involved, just his scripts, his environment, and a lot of unavoidable social media marketing. And yet, there is something positively alluring about his last statement, the quote that we are not agents of change, but we are agents of awareness. I mean, yes, you can look at the deterministic reality of the world, resign all means of agency and remove any bit of guilt or responsibility or morality from your actions, but this isn't the mindset that Vincent has adopted here. Instead, he took the position of awareness, of trying to understand the pulleys and levers that guide his thoughts and behaviors. It's almost a sort of rebellion, a blind faith counterattack against the unseen scripts that ran his life. Yes, he didn't have any option in choosing his genes, his environment, nor his circumstances, but he was determined to understand and grasp how it all worked. In other words, to see for himself, regardless of how feasible it actually was, whether he could rewrite those scripts. His whole point was to say that basically in relating to someone else, right, you know, can we really change someone? You know, we always think about, wow, you know, I wish my spouse would change this way. I wish my team would change this way. You know, mm. it's always their fault. La. They are not doing it right or what, right? Uh, but his point in that was really that we can't really change someone, but we can bring them to awareness about certain factors such that they can make the choice they will be in a more enlightened state or in a different state. Maybe enlightened is not the word, but a, a different state to make a choice. And I realized how true that was for myself too, you know, like being able to ask all these questions, even though I didn't have the, the answers, uh, brought me to a space where I was able to say, if I have this script, right, that's causing me so much suffering, do I choose to let it go? Or do I choose to continue believing in it and then have it causing me so much suffering? Mm. And sometimes even though I know this intellectually, it's difficult to translate it, you know, to actually believing it. And I think that's where practice happens. La. How do you feel back then when he told you this? I felt very ang- angry. I felt like he was abandoning me. So again, the script. And I couldn't make sense of it then. Yeah. To be very honest, Danny. So, so how long did it take for you to sort of make peace with this idea and start working towards that? 
Hmm. Maybe a year. Wow. A year. Yeah. I could finally understand why he did that after after a year. Hmm. Um. This came to me when I was searching through my bookshelves and I was looking through all the like uh, books that I had ac- accumulated from my self help junkie days, and then it suddenly hit me that, wow, like I was not taking responsibility. I was just outsourcing, delegating my responsibility to Tony Robbins. If I don't feel happy because I went for this Tony Robbins course, it's Tony Robbins' fault. It's <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> because his, his formula works, right? If it doesn't work, then it's not me. Uh. It's, it's him. Uh. Life is really a navigation of the shades of grey. But Anthony Robbins and at least my experience of the self-help seminars, right? they basically make it very black and white. Success and failure, very, very clear. So it's either you succeed or you fail. Uh. When I experienced that then, I didn't have these words for it. But now looking back now, I think at that time, I made the decision to be in the shades of grey. Even now, I, I don't think it's an easy choice. Um, but I think having this awareness helps me to be in this space. How, how do you feel about uh, being able to explore these new spaces today? Mm-hmm. To, be, to be very honest, it still causes a lot of anxiety and discomfort. Um... I recently started in my own journaling practice after writing for so long. Maybe I should identify some themes. So I started a Trello board. There was this piece on uh, scripts there. There was this piece on uh, distrust of community, which we discussed. Uh, There was this piece on comparison and jealousy. So I I was listing down all of these different things uh, in a bit to basically gain awareness of what are my scripts or even or what are some themes that govern my my life mm. and if we come back to that whole like we are not agents of change but agents of awareness right um, what I'm hoping to do with this board is through my own reflection to put out all these uh, pieces of uh, awareness for myself so that whenever I kind of like feel like overwhelmed or I'm in a space where I just don't feel good I can come back to this board and say hey, actually why like are these any of these things causing my uh, discomfort um, so I think this helps to give me a bit more clarity. It doesn't give me clarity as to um, where I should go or what I should do, but it kind of helps me to clarify like what is my blueprint? Like what is the blueprint that is running Vincent? It's like a operating system of a computer. I think a lot of us, um, as we go through life and then we through different events and experiences, we actually take on a lot of beliefs about the world. Coming back to that quote on, you know, we don't see the world as it is, but as we are. But we don't necessarily have opportunity sometimes, right, to reflect on what are those, what is our operating system? So what I'm trying to do with this trailer bot is to try to figure out what what is my operating system. And then hopefully from there, um, I can choose to make more intentional choices, uh, like the one that I made with this community thing. So it is still very uncomfortable because, uh, like I mentioned, it is still at a hit space. You know, now I know I need to be in community because of all these in, uh, benefits that I know in my head. Is that practice, and I I like to see it as a practice. Um, like you mentioned just now, coming out of our comfort zone can be so difficult. Uh, but I feel like framing it as a practice helps for me because it feeds into my whole script of wanting to feel productive. Like I'm growing. <laughs> uh, feeding it into the practice also means that uh, yes, I'm learning something, I'm progressing, but it also means that it's there's no end point because with a practice, right? What is most important in my view is that it's not the end. You know, maybe one day I figure out what is my ultimate purpose in life. Maybe. Mm. maybe uh, mm. But I doubt that will ever happen because that whole existential struggling is a lifetime. Uh, now at least I understand it to be it's a lifetime struggle. So I will never find the answer, but uh, maybe the answer is to be found in the practice. Uh, 
the mm. peace that I can find in the practice, the sense of groundedness that I can find in the practice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to um relate this to the metaphor of like the, the ship in the rough mm. seas yeah. uh, idea you're using just now. Mm. Would it be fair to say that what you're tr- what you're aiming to do now is trying to learn how to navigate or steer or be the captain of the ship? Mm. Whereas previously it was being controlled by like the elements, you know, the 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 waves, the wind. But now you're like you're you're taking responsibility. You want to be the captain. You yeah. want to properly steer. Yeah. Even though taking that responsibility can be damn scary, right? Yeah. Because you know you might I don't know there might you might kill your own passengers or something. But yeah. But oh, that's a very beautiful analogy. But it's <laughs> like now you're you're aiming to to get to a position where you want to take back control in a sense. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. That that was a very beautiful way to express it. (laughs) (laughs) And so with that brings the end to this episode of the Screwed Up Moments podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and much thanks to Vincent Ng for sharing his incredible story. In hindsight, it might not be the most dramatic one given the events and compared to some of the other stories that we've done, but I think it is certainly worth its weight in terms of giving you something to think about. You know, a lot of us probably do run our lives on autopilot, never ever questioning our motivations or desires. But maybe if you find that your autopilot system is not really working for you, you could, like Vincent did, consider examining it. Figure out how it works, what it does, how it makes you feel, how it affects your mindset, your mood, all that kind of stuff. And who knows, maybe one day after enough examination, we can be brave enough to run the pilot system ourselves and steer our course through the grey skies of life. With that being said, the Screwed Up Moments podcast is brought to you by the Singaporean Social Enterprise Happiness Initiative, an organization that advocates for happiness and well-being through their message that happiness is a choice. Production and editing was done by me, Danny Cordy, on behalf of Fable Productions. Episode music was sourced from Blue Dot Sessions, and the theme song was composed by Rico Lowe. The introduction about free will and determinism was mostly from an Atlantic article titled There's No Such Thing as Free Will But We're Better Off Believing in It Anyway, written by Stephen Cave. I will leave the link in the episode description. Do check it out. It's a really good piece. All right, if you enjoyed listening to the Screwed Up Moments podcast, you can help out the show by sharing it amongst your friends or by subscribing and leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Otherwise, if you have any questions, suggestions, feedback, or if you have your own Screwed Up Moments story to share, you can drop us a message through the email dkordi at fableproductions.com or through the various social media links in the description. Once again, this has been your host Danny for the Screwed Up Moments podcast, reminding you that it is okay to fail and it is okay to try again. Thank you for listening.